0: to meet up with. Many of us um, are missing this chance to have a good face-to-face conversation. I, you know, Zoom, Zoom is good. It's I'd rather have Zoom than nothing. But there's something about sitting across from someone and just having a good old heart-to-heart. And as humans, we need this. We were, we were created to be relational. And relationship is hardwired into us. And I think even the most introverted of us are starting to long for that six-foot demilitarized zone around us to somehow be removed. And, and just as we were created for horizontal relationship with each other, so we were absolutely created for an actual, real-life, vertical relationship with our Creator, with our God, and with our Father. Sadly for many of us we've spent our lives social distancing from God. We've sort of become used to this um, absentee relationship with him and I think that it's time that we had a heart to heart with heaven. Week one we were told that we have a visitor. It's God. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, we learn that God is waiting for us and that all we need to do is to go into that room to close the door and to pray to him. Last week, we were, we were told to pray as if God already knows and to res- resist vain repetition. You know, the babbling. And we can do this. We can resist this by praying other people's prayers and by practicing meeting God in the quiet. And so I wonder, how, how has that gone over this past week for you? Have you had that chance to just meet God, to meet Jesus in the quiet? Now that we've learned to settle in our room in the quiet, it's time to find out who exactly is this God that we are meeting with. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Jesus says this then is how you should pray. Not like the hypocrites who treat prayer like a show. And not like the babblers who treat prayer like an exercise in wearing God down. Jesus has torn away that old structure and now he's starting to build a new foundation for a new structure for prayer. Now we know these verses as the Lord's Prayer. This then is how you should pray. Not necessarily in these exact words, but he is saying to pray in this way, in this spirit, to use this prayer as a guide. And so I encourage you to to view the different parts of the various parts of the Lord's Prayer as scenic lookout points of prayer. No one in their right mind would hike through Gatineau and intentionally avoid the the, the wonderful, beautiful views of the lookout points. No one would do that. You're not going to tell me what to do? What if I don't want to go to the lookout points? And it's the same with, with, with prayer. Why not enjoy the view at each of these lookout points? Why not use them as a guide for your journey? And then, and then you're, you're free, you know, to wander off into the countryside, to explore, to speak your heart to Father God, but then keep on returning and looking at these lookout points. This then is how you should pray. And the first lookout point on our journey is just four words. Our Father in heaven. And we will spend the rest of this message simply enjoying and appreciating the view at this lookout point. Our Father in heaven. Way Jesus places our prayer life in the context of a family, in the context of a community. He says, Our Father, not my Father, but our Father. He links us to our family. He reminds us that we're never alone. He reminds us there is no such thing as a private faith. Our brothers and sisters around the world are praying with us as we give voice to this prayer. And we are praying with them. So in Christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Romans chapter 12 verse 5. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope um, when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Lord, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 4. Our Father. This prayer is prayed in privacy of your room with the closed door and yet that single prayer rises up and joins the sound of countless prayers throughout the span of geography and throughout the span of history. The Jews and the Uyghurs are And the Igbo, and the Han Chinese, and the Ijo, and the Armenians, and the Pashtun, and the Canadians, and the Arabs, and the Koreans, and the Tajiks, and the Germans, and the Berbers. Our Father. And where do these prayers lifted up? Where do they end up? Revelation chapter 5 verse 8 actually tells us. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden balls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. These prayers end up in the scene of worship that takes place in the throne room of heaven. When we say the word hour in Matthew chapter 5 verse 9, we are reminded that this single prayer is joining a chorus of prayer that reaches around the world and back through time. Anyone who has prayed or is praying or will pray to God through Jesus Christ is included in this word hour. And if this wasn't enough, This word, our, reaches not just around the world and back through time, but it reaches up to heaven itself as well. After all, who is the one praying in Matthew chapter 6 verse 9? Who is the one leading us as we pray? It's Jesus. We are praying along with Jesus himself. Jesus is our big brother and it's it's, it's his, his father that we are praying to, it's his dad who becomes our dad, our father, Jesus's father and my father and your father. First John chapter one, verse three says, our fellowship is with the father and his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is, is, is our big brother who died to bring us into the family. Listen to Hebrews chapter two, verse 11. Both the one who makes people holy, Jesus, and the one who are made holy, us, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Friends, if you are in Jesus this morning, then you have a big brother. A big brother who who loves you, who cares for you, who rejoices when you rejoice and who mourns when you weep. He is strong, he's kind, he's really protective of you, and he watches out for you. And when you pray to Father God, you're never praying alone because 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 Brother God is praying right alongside you. That's amazing, right? That that brother God is praying with you to Father God. So never worry that your prayers are too weak or too frail. because they are, but when they join with the prayers of your brothers and sisters around the world and your brothers and sisters throughout time, and the prayers of your big brother in heaven, you can know that your prayer is heard. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Who could have thought that we would see so much into this tiny little word, hour, right? When I planned this sermon, I had the lofty goal of preaching all the way through verse 9. But it's so full and rich and deep and meaningful that I think we can only handle half of it this, this, this morning. So we'll have to look at your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven next week. Let's move on. Our Father. Let's make this clear. okay? Jesus is the one that we're praying with. And the father is the one that we're praying to. Let's just pause for one moment to think about this, that God chooses to relate to us as father. He chose a family relationship, one that represents represents trust and care and safety and compassion for us to relate to him through. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Psalm 103 verse 14. He didn't have to relate to us as father. He chose to. So he is our father and we live for him. Yet for us there is but one God, the father father. From whom all things come and for whom all things live. And there is but one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things come and through whom we live. First Corinthians chapter eight, verse six. First, first Peter one, verse three says this. It says, says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. From the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is being kept in heaven for you. This verse, First Peter chapter 3, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, the, the, this is the language of family. Why would we ever avoid praying to a God who draws near to us as our father? My friend, let me ask you this. Do you know that you that, that that you've been adopted by God the Father? Do you know that Jesus is your big brother? Now I don't mean being religious or being good or reading your bible every now and again or generally thinking nice thoughts towards God. I'm not talking about being an upstanding citizen. What I'm talking about is knowing with conviction and with certainty that Jesus has paid the price for your sins and that God the Father has signed your adoption papers and that you are now part of his household. Knowing deep in your soul that you are no longer an orphan. No longer being shuttled around from home to home in the foster care system. You are no longer alone in your sin and your guilt. But you have a home and you have a father and you have a brother. When you pray, do you pray to a vague concept in the sky? Do you pray to God as you know him? Or do you pray to your father? Do you know his, his, his father, fatherly embrace? Do you know his hug, his care, his love for you? Do you know what it is to sit on almighty God's knee and feel that there is nowhere in this world that you would rather be? Do you know what it is to feel totally unworthy and yet to feel welcomed by faith into the grace of a relationship with God himself? If you don't know this, then you can never pray to God as father. You can never lay claim to that title of daughter or son. And so friend, right now is the time to place your trust in him, to call out to him and to just let him know that you, that you are an orphan and that you're tired of going through this world alone, trapped in the foster system unable to leave. Ask him to adopt you To make you his, you can trust him. And as you do this, as you ask him this, he will bring you home, he will sign the papers, and you can know the incredible privilege and joy of praying, Our Father, along with your brothers and sisters throughout the world and throughout history, along with your new big brother, Jesus Christ. Or maybe you are adopted. By Father God. But for you this noun father. Is trapped in, in, in a web of bad associations. Maybe maybe the word father brings to you. Really bad memories. Maybe you had a father who hurt you. Or was absent. Who let you down. Who left you feeling worthless and unloved. And so you think. Well if God is anything like him. Then I'd rather not pray. Or maybe you you are a father, and you're the one who's failed and sinned. And if God is anything like you, then you'd rather not pray. If this is you, allow Father God to recreate the idea of what a father is. Share with him that it fills you with anxiety with fills you with anxiety even to relate to him as father. Be honest with him and gradually allow him to redefine what father means. Let him fill this word father with new meaning. If the term father for you is plagued with bad memories, then maybe Matthew chapter 23 verse 9 is for you. And do not call anyone on earth father. For you have one father and he is in heaven. Our, Father, and lastly, in heaven. These first two words, our and Father, establish prayer as something relational, something close and present, that God is here. Whereas these two words in heaven lift our eyes up. They remind us that God is not like us, that he is exalted and glorious. Our Father is with us. And he's way beyond us. Our father is with us and he's way beyond us. The words in heaven remind us that when we pray, we're not just vainly repeating something to make ourselves feel better, like a mantra that soothes us. No, when we pray, we're engaging heaven itself. These prayers that start in the quiet of our room with the door closed rise up to our Father in heaven. And this knowledge that God is in heaven and we are on earth should humble us, as Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2 tells us. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. Yes, God is your father and there is a deep relational security and and a, and a friendliness that comes from this knowledge. But God is not your pal or your buddy or your mate. He's not the man upstairs. He is the creator of the universe. He holds the universe in his hand. He spoke it into being. He is surrounded by saints and angels who worship him day and night. He is holy. He is majestic. He is king of kings and lord of lords. His word reveals God as father and as sovereign, as close friend and as supreme ruler. It's like our minds cannot handle these extremes. It it, it feels like We're trying to look at two things really far apart at the same time. And we can't. You are Father. You're also in heaven. You are in heaven. But you're also our Father. And prayer is the act of constantly travelling between these two truths. That God is Father and God is in heaven. And You will find that there are seasons when you focus on one more than the other. You know there will be days when you rejoice in the truth that God is your father. And that you can enjoy his embrace and his love and his welcome. And it will feel like he's just giving you a big hug. And then there are days when you fall on your knees before his throne. And you are so deeply aware of his glory and your sin of his power and his might, of his sovereignty and his supremacy. And this is good. This is how it should be. This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. Now I want to leave us this morning with with an amazing thought, at least I think it's amazing, that came to Nathan and, and I as we prayerfully worked on this sermon. Nathan said that, You know, the problem is that that many of us are insecure about our prayers. We think that they're weak or insipid or not faithful enough. And that can lead us to feel really discouraged, which which, which actually can result in our prayer lives really drying up. And if our prayer life dries up, then we're in big, big trouble, as John chapter 15 tells us. So hands up if you've ever been frustrated by your own prayers. Okay, if you just raised your hand, here's the encouragement that I want to leave with you. Here it is. You ready? Even if your prayer is pretty rubbish at the beginning, by the time it gets to the Father, it's perfect. Even if your prayer is pretty rubbish at the beginning, by the time it gets to the Father, it's perfect. And here's how. Scripture tells us, that we have three supernatural editors with a capital E who take your poorly worded prayer and somehow wordsmith it into something incredible. So first we have Jesus who prays on our behalf. He's at the right hand of God and he's interceding for us, Romans 8 verse 4 tells us. And so his prayer comes alongside your prayer and it kind of supports it, it kind of... It really props it up. It takes the weight and it helps your prayer to keep on going. Jesus prays for you. Secondly, we have the Spirit who interprets our prayer. Romans 8, the the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans And he, which is Father God, who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people according to the will of God. So God searches your heart and he knows the mind of the Spirit. Incredible. And thirdly, we have a Father who preempts our prayer. We learned this last week. Your father knows what you need before you ask him, right? And so we have these three members of the Trinity who see us mouthing these weak prayers. Sometimes we we can't even use words. And the son supports the prayer. And the spirit interprets the prayer. And the father preempts the prayer. And so by the time father God gets it, that prayer is a work of art. Like I said... We have a supernatural editing team. You know, I'd love to hear my prayers after they've gone through this, through this editing process. Wouldn't you? I mean, what would it even sound like? You know, you know, I, you know, I'd hear this prayer and I'd say, hey, God, you took the words right out of my mouth. And he's like, that's exactly what I did. And then I'm like, really? Well, that's not how I said it. Not in those words. When I said it, it sounded like sobs and tears and snot and groans. But that, that sounds awesome. And if I had skills to pray like that, then that's exactly what I wish I would pray. And, you know, the Lord's like, well, that was your prayer. That was your prayer propped up by Jesus, interpreted by the Holy Spirit and preempted by me. Friends, our Father in Heaven means that we never pray alone. Instead, we pray with our brothers and sisters throughout history and across the globe. And no amount of social distancing or lockdowns can stop that. And we pray with Jesus. And we pray to a God who relates to us with the intimacy of a father and who is way above all in heaven. A father who is both with us and way beyond us. And father, son and spirit, take our feeble little prayers and turn them into something incredible beyond Shakespeare and Wordsworth. And yet they're still our prayers This is what having a heart-to-heart with heaven means. Praying to our Father in heaven. Praying to our Father, our Father, who is literally out of this world.